0: Okay. I've been studying John D. Rockefeller for, um, probably over a year now. And I've read almost every book, um, about him or things that he wrote. And, um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just blown away by it. I am, uh, I'm, I can't get enough of what, uh, this guy did or, uh, some of the things he says, which we're going to talk about today. But, um, If you don't know this, uh, John D. Rockefeller founded the University of Chicago. uh, And he did that. Uh, He kept a very low profile about that. Not that he wanted to hide it or anything like that. He was very proud of it. And later later in his life, he said that was one of the greatest investments he ever could have made. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. So if I had to title this today, Um, It would be one of the greatest entrepreneurial business speeches ever. And I'm going to read this speech today that he um, gave to uh, a handful of college students at the University of Chicago back in 1897. And I think we can learn a lot from this. So let's get started here. Hey, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to The Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. Okay, so I, uh, my son and I, Travis, have been reading this book together. It is the 38 letters from John D. Rockefeller to his son, John Jr., And it's 38 letters that he personally wrote to his son. Uh, Remember, they didn't have phones back then. They didn't have computers. They didn't even, I don't even know if they had typewriters, for goodness sake. Um, We're talking in the late 1800s and uh, the late 1890s and early 1900s. And uh, so he hand wrote these letters to his son. And this book shares these letters. And it's just, it's just an awesome. So what we've been doing is we meet here every morning at 6.30 a.m. Uh, and we, uh, we read a letter a day. And you say there's only 38 letters. Uh, yeah, but we really take our time on these letters. We might not get through a whole letter in one setting because we're kind of saving it you know, a lot of times we'll say, this is so good. Let's stop here and talk about it. And we'll read the rest, uh, tomorrow or the next day. And, uh, they're just that good. And, um, so today, this week, we, we, uh, we came across this letter and, uh, it, uh, it just really made a difference in, in my life and uh, Travis said it made a difference in his life, and um, so we'll get started here. I'm just, I, I normally don't read out of a book, but today I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to read this, um, basically, he was, uh, John D. Rockefeller, start uh, founder of U- the University of Chicago, okay? Very few people know John D. Rockefeller founded the University of Chicago to begin with, and um, John D. Rockefeller was a very low profile, low profile person. Um, Now, a lot of times people hear a lot of negative stuff about him. And when you're number one and when you're the wealthiest man in the world, I'm sure people are going to come up with negative things about you. Right. Um, And he was so low profile back then that he thought it was better off not to respond to the press. So he never defended himself. He, he just kind of let it go. Now, later in life, when John Jr. got married and they started having kids, John Jr. thought it was very important for his dad to clean up the reputation of the Rockefeller name. So John uh, Sr. Uh, started letting people in on his personal life and just what all he gave to and had been giving to for years. Um, I told you once before that uh, I talked about on this show rather once before that um, he gave more to philanthropy than anyone in history, and uh, and especially in today's money, it's just unreal how much uh, he gave, and he enjoyed giving. He was a cheerful giver. Uh, so this letter was taken place in July nineteenth of eighteen ninety seven, and he talks about. Um, going to the University of Chicago visiting, he only he only visited a few times. Um, he could have easily called it Rockefeller University. I mean, but he didn't. Again, low profile. University of Chicago, uh, he is the founder. The first president was William Harper. So both of them founded this school, hoping it would be a force for Christian moralism in the Midwest, and then also uh, to be the best school for scientific research, which it ended up being. And they found a lot of cures for a lot of diseases back then. Um, but he, uh, John D. Rockefeller Sr. Uh, founded this school. He gave Back then, he gave $35 million over the first 10 years of this school. Which in today's money would be one point three billion dollars. So in the first three years or ten years rather, he gave one point three million billion dollars in today's money to get the University of Chicago started. It's just a neat story. Um, so he was at the University of Chicago. I'm going to get into this here, uh, but I had to set the stage for just what was going on. And um, this letter was written in 1897, and the college was founded in 1892. So it had been up and running for about five years. So John D. was at the college. Um, Many people didn't even know he was there. He never advertised, I'm coming today. He just kind of showed up, walked around, met with uh, the president and other lead people to see how the college was doing and all that kind of stuff. He was very concerned about the Christian moralism um, of future generations. And uh, which he talks about a lot in his books. Uh, But anyway, uh, books written about him rather. So he uh, was at this school and um, a a handful of uh, students noticed he was there and they came up and said, basically, you're our role model. Um, We want to be more like you. Uh, Do you have time to give us any advice? Now, John D was not known for giving speeches, or um, often he, you know, he would, um, he just wasn't known for that. He he was very low profile, pretty quiet person to be the wealthiest man. Ended up being the wealthiest man in the world, so he accepted their request, and uh, a group started coming by because. John D. was talking to, you know, probably start, I'm banking this up, but uh, he probably started out at 12 to 15 people and it ended up may, may, maybe being 50. And it was a group of people that he gave this speech to. Uh, it, it, only, it only was 10 minutes long. Um, and it made an impact on 50 lives that probably made an impact on 50 each, which probably made a, fa- he changed, he could change the world with his speech. It was so powerful. I told Travis when I was reading it, this should be posted and, 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 on, and framed and put in every college uh, in U, the United States. It is so powerful. Um, so here's what he says. Success is not measured by a person's height, weight, education, or family background, but the size of his thoughts. The size of our thoughts determine the size of our achievements. The most important of all is that we must value ourselves, overcome the greatest weakness of mankind, self depreciation, and never sell ourselves cheaply or in today's world, never sell yourself short. You are greater than you think. You should expand your thinking to the extent to your fullest potential, and never underestimate yourself. Never underestimate yourself. At this time, applauses suddenly sounded, and I was obviously completely captured by it. I was so overwhelmed that I could not control my tongue. I continued. For thousands of years, many philosophers have advised us, know yourself. However, most people interpret as just knowing the negative side of ourselves. Most self-assessments include too many shortcomings, mistakes, and incompetence. It's good to recognize your shortcomings and you can use them to seek improvement. However, we can only recognize, if we only recognize the negative side of ourselves, we will fall into chaos and make ourselves worthless. Now, I got to thinking about that and um, how we think about ourselves and what we think we can do and what we think of others and what we can do or cannot do is entirely up to us. It's how we think. John was saying this. Mr. Rockefeller was saying this. How we think about ourselves is very important and not just the negative side of thing, things. We, can, we need to think more positive about ourselves. Now, there's a fine balance here uh, because some I'm not talking about thinking you're perfect and that you don't make mistakes. Um, those people fail more often than anyone. I'm talking about thinking positive about yourself to be the best person you can be, to be, have the best company you can be, to be the best leader you can be. Okay. John Maxwell says, focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses. We often focus on our weaknesses more than our strengths. If I could just get better at this, I'd be more successful. If I could just do this, I'd be more successful. And that's not the case. John Maxwell says, also, that if you focus on your weaknesses, you're, you're wasting a lot of time because you could be focusing on your strengths. In other words, on a scale of one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest, if you're a three and you work all year long trying to get that three up, the highest you're going to get it is a four or a five. So you're still below average. But if you're a a seven and you work extremely hard for a year, you might be able to get it up to an eight or a nine. That's much better. And that's much higher than average. So think about that. Quit focusing on weaknesses and focus more on strengths. You got to know your weaknesses. We all know our weaknesses. If you don't, that's another issue you need to deal with. But I know all my weaknesses. I know all my strengths. I know we talked about last week, the SWOT analysis. Or if we had some more podcasts in between there, it's been a few weeks. But we've talked about the SWOT analysis. So I know my personal opportunities and I know my personal threats. Okay? So think about that. So the book goes on and it says, For those who long for others to respect them, the reality is cruel. Because others will think of of you the same way you think of you. We will all be treated the way we think we are. Those who think they are a bit worse than others, no matter what their actual ability is, will continue to be a bit worse than others. Because the mind itself can regulate and control various actions. Now think about that. You, you think you are less than average, then you'll probably continue to be less than average. If you think you can't grow your business and that you're flat and stagnant, then you'll continue to be flat and stagnant. Until you change your thinking, nothing's going to change in your business. If you think your marriage is flat and stagnant, it's probably going to continue to be until you think you can improve your marriage. Once you start thinking you can improve your marriage, more than likely your marriage will and start proving. And the same way with your family life, same way with your business, same way getting in shape. If I continue to say, I'm extremely heavy and I'll never lose weight, then I probably won't. If I continue to say, I'm going to lose this weight, it is possible. I'm going to get back in shape. Then I'm probably going to get back in shape. So it it all depends on how we think. Whether we think we can or we can't, we're right. That was Henry Ford. So, um, which was also, Henry Ford was friends with John D. Rockefeller. I just thought that was so cool. Um, But again, I'm a history buff. I love I love business history, and I love you know Harvey Firestone, uh, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, um, and John D. Rockefeller. I read the most about, and I'm going to start getting into uh, more um, um, other history uh, businesses, but business history. But for now, that's that's where I'm at. Okay, if a person feels that he's uh, he or she is inferior to others then they will show true actions that inferior to others that are inferior to others and this feeling cannot be hidden or concealed so it's not if you're thinking negative you can't conceal that it's very obvious those who think they are not very important will eventually become not very important people well said Mr rockefeller On the other hand, those who believe that they have the capability of taking heavy responsibility will really become a very important person. Therefore, if you want to be an important person, you must first make yourself believe that you're a very important person and you have to truly feel the way that way before others will follow you. So um, another John Maxwell quote is, he who thinks he's leading and no one is following is only taking a walk. So if you look back and no one's following you, it could be that, it could be you. I mean, it's probably you. And uh, if you think you're not very important, then you're probably not important, okay? But when you start building confidence and building your leadership ability, because that's what you gotta do. If you think you're a poor leader, you gotta build your leadership skills, and you gotta start thinking different about your leadership and you'll start having more followers. On the other hand, those who believe that they have the capability of taking heavy responsibility will really become a very important person. Like I said, no one can escape the principle of reasoning. How you think will determine how you act. Can you believe this was written in 1897, folks? No one can escape the principle of reasoning. How you think will determine how you act, and how you act will determine how others think of you. Just like your own success plan, it is actually very simple to gain the respect of others. In order to be respected by others, you must first feel that you are indeed worthy of respect, and the more you respect yourself, the more others will respect you. Could that be the problem today? Think about that. With with uh, I, I'm 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 just thinking today. In today's world, there there's uh there's the disease of um depression, mental illness. Um it's could it be the way we think of ourselves? Could be some of it be, not all of it, but could some of it be? Please think about this. Do you respect those who wander in the dilapidated streets? Of course not. Why? Because those rascals do not value themselves at all. They will only let their inferiority corrode their souls and eventually give up on themselves. Everyone, no matter where he lives, whether he is unknown or prominent, civilized or barbaric, young or old, has a strong desire to become an important person. Please think carefully about everyone around you, your neighbors, yourself, your teachers, your classmates, your friends, your co-workers, who does not have the strong desire to hold a lot of power. All of them do, and the desire is the strongest and most urgent goal that is being pursued today by mankind. 1897, folks. However, why do people often turn to this achievable goal into an unachievable goal? Very few people actually acquire positive power and make a difference in lives. In my opinion, he says, it is due to attitude. In other words, it's how we think. Attitude is the materialization of each of our thoughts and spiritual factors, and it determines our choices and actions. In this sense, attitude is our best friend or it can be our worst enemy. I talked often, I talk, I've i been telling my kids this for years, when they think negative, when they think wrong and they have a bad attitude, I correct it instantly and ask them how they could have thought differently. Because thinking wrong will take you down the wrong road. John Maxwell's coming out. Uh, I'm part of Live to Lead and I'm part of a transformational uh, movement among the United States through the John Maxwell organization. And he, but John personally is writing a new book called High Road Leadership, and you're either on the high road or you're on the low road, and uh, I want to be on the high road. John Rock, John D. Rockefeller says, "I admit that we cannot control the direction of the wind, so we can't control as positive thinking, as positive as we can be. We cannot control the wind. We cannot control what happens tomorrow. Um, however." He says, we can adjust the sale. In other words, choosing our attitude. Once you choose to value your attitude, those cowardly thoughts that degrade you, demoralize your will, corrode your confidence, and encourages you to give up on yourself, such as I'm a useless person, I'm a nobody, I have no say, I am worthless, and so on, will start Disappearing and they'll be replaced by the resurrection of the mind. Wow, that's powerful. I want to resurrect my mind. I want to continue to resurrect my mind. Proactive changes in thoughts and actions, increase of confidence, and usage of the I can and I will mentality to face everything I do. If any of you have ever lied to yourself, looking at the students here, he's speaking to students of college here. Boy, don't college students need this today. We're we're in a situation, folks, in America, and it's not the college students' fault. Unfortunately, it's the leadership um, around them, including what takes place in the home. Lack of leadership in the home, maybe. So it's not, the, it's not this generation's fault. As much as we want to blame this generation, some generation raised this generation, folks. All right, so he says, if you've ever lied to yourself, please stop here. Because those who do not think they are important or ordinary people who give up on themselves, do not demean yourself at any time. You must choose your own assets or advantages. Ask yourself, where are my strengths? I ask this often. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? When when analyzing your strengths, you cannot be too kind. That's good. List your strengths. It's a positive. A lot of your strengths were God-given gifts. We were given gifts by God. Each one of us have different gifts. Find your gift and use it and be proud of it. If you have to focus on your strengths and tell yourself that you are better than you think, you must have a foresight and see the future potential for development instead of just looking at the current situation and having lofty expectations of yourself. Always remember this question, will important people do this? This will gradually make you more successful. So you must have the foresight to see the future. We talked a lot in this show for a while on the future self. What are you doing today to make your future self better? What were your, will your future self thank you for later, for doing today? Children, he says, children, the road to success is paved with gold, but this road is just a one-way street. At this moment, we need an optimistic attitude. Optimism is often called hope. Folks, I've... I've I often say, follow someone who's done it. Follow someone who's real. Follow someone who has a track record of success. Follow someone who has a track record of doing it right, honestly, with morality and good ethics and all those types of things. That's who we follow. And, and he says, optimism um, is called hope by philosophers let me first tell you that this is a misunderstanding of optimism the so-called optimism is is this is a kind of belief that is believing that life is ultimately ultimately more joyful and less miserable and that even the things even if the things that are not good as we wish could things eventually prevail so he was talking about the optimistic attitude Um, We have to see it. We have to see it and believe it for tomorrow. Um, And this is not just about think positive and, and your life will change and everything will be different, but it is. But it is. Because so many leaders think negative and they're not attracting good followers. I mean, who wants to follow someone that does not believe they can do it? Or who wants to follow someone who is down on their self? So he says to John, he says, John, do you know in my impromptu speech, it was only 10 minutes long and I actually received eight rounds of applauses. It is a pity, though, that some of the applauses interrupted my chain of thoughts. I have an important point I wanted to get across. That is this. Improving your thinking ability will help you improve the standards of various actions and make them more effective. But I am still very happy that my tongue actually carried such a big charm and got across to these students. Love your father. I'll tell you, folks, um, I hope you took as much away from that as I did. Um, It's an extremely positive um, talk, speech, to a handful of students At the University of Chicago in 1897, a five year old school at the time, where John D. Rockefeller had probably given somewhere around 17 to 20 million already into that, which is half a billion dollars uh, in today's money. And uh, he was invested in it. And he said to these guys, You are greater than you think. You are greater than you think. Now that's how John D. Rockefeller thought. and that's what I'm saying about following the right people. Don't just follow people. Don't just follow the crowd, I should say. Um, I read this the I read that the other day that Christianity, the culture of Christianity is not following the crowd. It's following Jesus. But in in the world that we live in today, we should all be following Jesus. Can't disagree with that. But if you're going to have mentors and good people to to, um, follow and learn from, make sure they have a great track record. This guy's got a great track record. He was solid. He was solid in his spiritual walk. He was solid in his business walk. He had more business wisdom than anyone else I can find that walked on earth other than Jesus. He was solid. And I like to learn from him. He, he's been dead for a long time, but his words carry on forever. And it's just good stuff. So we'll end with that. But before we wrap up, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe below. Uh, You can also support this podcast by rating and reviewing on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Keep listening. I'll do my best to keep challenging you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Greg McAfee Show. No spaces, no underscores. Thanks for listening. And as always, carry on. God bless and have a great day.